Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing Why So Serious. What is the matrix? Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? No, what's in the box? You like scary movies. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? You talking to me? You talking to me? Movie reviews in 20 cues. Hello, you goddamn fantastic people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. And as you guys can see by the name of this week's podcast, we are doing the film Escape from New York. And now look, guys, if you're going to do a film about an island getting turned into a prison colony, you've got to go out there and get two of Australia's biggest podcasters, don't you? It just makes sense. <laughs> just makes sense. First of which, well, we've heard them both laugh. I'll introduce uh, Beauty Before Brawn. It's Gidget. How are you, Gidget? From Retro oh, Cinema. Mate, I, I, I am so good, yeah. We're just, we're just an island of criminals here. Uh, so this works incredibly well. I love this movie. But in saying that, massive John Carpenter fan, one of my favourite directors. So, Sam, when you approached me and said, do you want to do this? I went, are you kidding? I will point out that uh, we approached you, like, what, two years ago to do it on your show, and we've been talking yeah. about it ever since. And- <laughs> yeah, 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 and with Paul as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's just been one of those things. It's just, it's just it, we will get around to it, but, of course, I was chuffed when you asked me. So thank you so much. It's just an absolute pleasure and honour to be back on your podcast again. And to be doing, yeah, just a John Carpenter movie. Oh, that's what totally I love Totally over to the hear. moon. I mean, it's turning 40 and, yeah, as Gidget mentioned, Paul, the other person on this podcast. Hey, Paul, from the Countdown Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Thanks for the invite and the insult to kick off proceedings. It wouldn't be a New Zealander and Australian show unless uh, there was a bit of banter back and forth. Well, yes, we're an island of convicts. And yes, <laughs> we have a unique insight into this particular film. I'm sure this film resonated with everybody back in 1981 who is Australian. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the thing was, when I was doing my answers, I actually started writing a really nice thing about an Australian, which we'll get oh, to please. at a later point. So I was like, I need to balance this out. I need to balance this out. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, of course. This one just makes too much sense. Island of Convicts. So, yeah, Escape from New York came out in 1981. As mentioned, was directed by John Carpenter. Stars Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken, Lee Van Cleef as Hawk, Ernest Bornine as Cabby, Donald Pleasance as President, and Isaac Hayes as the Duke. But yeah. Uh, yeah, if you guys, if people haven't seen this film, we highly recommend you do, because otherwise this podcast isn't going to make much sense to you. <laughs> but we will give a little bit of a plot, and whoever gives the plot is whoever's seen it the most recently. So how do you guys, who's seen it the most recently? Uh, I watched it on Monday, so six days, five days ago. Okay, I'm two weeks ago. I rewatched it last night. Get it! Winner! <laughs> okay, a, a brief, a brief plot. The film is set in what was then the near future of the year 1997 in a crime-ridden United States that has converted Manhattan Island in New York City into the country's maximum security prison. When Air Force One is hijacked by terrorists and crashes into New York City, ex-soldier and federal prisoner Snake Plissken is given 24 hours to rescue the President of the United States. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that pretty <laughs> much sums it up. That'll do Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, so on to our usual rant. If you haven't heard this podcast before, as I mentioned, we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film, then move through three personal questions that we thought of while we were watching this film, and then finish on either a listener question or a Patreon question. And this week, it's a listener question. 
The one we start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, one thing good. If we didn't like this film, which I don't think anyone here on this episode did, we give it a shit sandwich, which is a score of, which is one thing bad, one thing good, and one thing bad. If we're giving it a score under 5,000. Alternatively, there's always the hyperbole sandwich, which is if we're giving it a score over 10,000, we give it one thing good, one thing great, and one thing good. Gidget, why don't you lead us off? Why don't you give us your sandwich and give us your score out of 10,000 eye patches? All right, I went really basic. Okay, good. Kurt Russell and John Carpenter. Yep. Hello. Teamed up. This was their their first. Uh, but uh, they, they just went on to make history with The Thing, which is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Uh, yep. So that's my, my good bad. <laughs> I threw it to Escape from L.A. because that's a bad sequel. <laughs> that's a, I couldn't even do a bad for this for this particular film. So I just my bad is Escape from L.A. And good. That's Jamie Lee Curtis. She is the narrator and she's also the computer voice in the Ooh, film, which shit. not a lot of people know. Yeah. I did not know that. I did yep. not know that either. Yeah. So there you go. So a bit of, bit of trivia and a good side of the sandwich as well. So there you go. Cool. As a score out of 10,000 eye patches. 10,000 10, eye patches. 10,000. Whoa. Whoa. Excellent. I, I, I honestly, I can't fault this film. You know, I'm watching it. I'd watched it when you said, when you invited me on. Yeah. I rewatched it, but I'd already watched it a few times anyway, so I knew the movie really well. Colonel knows it even better. Like, he kept walking in and out of the room, just like saying quotes and doing the music. <laughs> and uh, But rewatching it again, and I'm sitting there going, looking for the bad. And I'm going, yeah, not finding it, not finding it. And I went, yeah. No. Well, hold on to your hat, Gidget. We'll yep. help you out. Yeah. Okay. Go for it, Paul. <laughs> yeah, go, Paul. Uh, it's a compliment sandwich for sure. So, my first thing is, uh, Gidget has already alluded to it. It looks Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. He just oozes cool in this role. He is a bad motherfucker. He's got that perfect whisper voice before Steven Seagal completely stole the idea. Uh, his eye patch works and he kicks ass without question. You just totally buy him in this particular role. And he's more an anti-hero than a hero, which is perfect for this kind of film. And I think it really speaks to the John Carpenter of the day. And he's just, he's a ruggedly good looking, naturally charismatic dude. So he just mm. works. I don't think this film would have been half as good if it had been someone else who was cast in this role. The one thing bad, I don't think the action scenes in this film are especially good. Uh, Carpenter pulls the camera back on the big boxing ring match and it never looks authentic or even close to being uh, selling it particularly well. So, you know, there's one punch and, and Snake kind of, you know, renders his adversaries unconscious in other scenes. Like he's like the perfect weapon in that particular way. So the fight scenes are eh. You're not really there for the fight scenes, or but I would have liked a bit more, a bit more realistic action. Well, well, good- actually, can I just throw a little bit of trivia in there for you, Paul? <laughs> for us. About the it. boxing. Very interesting you say that because Ox Baker, who's the bloke with the big chops, big bloke fighting yep. him, struck Kirk Russell very heavily with some of his blows during the boxing ring scene. Russell finally had enough and asked Baker to take it easy tapping him on the groin to let him know he was serious. Baker then calmed down. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Maybe that's why he had the camera so far back. So and once they were swinging the big poles at each other, it was just like, okay, it's, it, was, it didn't look great, that part, was all I'll say. Yep. Uh, the other great thing, I think, is that um, I love this idea. I love this script. As you said, Gidget, they don't explain a lot. They just go, here it is. Manhattan's a maximum security prison 16 years from now. Get into it. It's fine. Don't it, just accept it. Although I will point out some things later on that kind of maybe puzzled about that idea. But I just love this concept. If we need to send somebody in, and the power the power structure that exists in this particular world, like the Duke's risen to the top and he's got his cronies, but then there seems to be a whole bunch of other people under there who are kind of maybe unhappy about that and fighting back. So I liked all that shit. I think it's a very good film. I really enjoyed it. Seven thousand four hundred and twenty-eight is what I would score it. 
Which is usually pretty good for Paul, I think. Yep. (laughs) Although this is the first time I've been on your show, Sam, and not had a hyperbole sandwich before it was even called a hyperbole sandwich. That's true. That's true. You were one of the originators of the hyperbole sandwich. (laughs) You've you've changed your sandwiches. You've turned into the (laughs) subway of movies. Adding the vegan option, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that moves me over to me. So the good thing, yeah, I mean, this is what I love about Grindhouse films is that they always have such a lacking budget and yet they seem to make it work and seem to make it believable. And you can tell that every single cent that they've got, they've actually thrown up on the screen and try to make it as like creative and believable as possible. And so I saw the budget for this film was $6 million, and you can tell that they've used all of that. At the same time, the sets and the environments they're, they're in feel grimy, they feel warm, they feel realistic. Uh, the bad thing for me is, yeah, also the budget. You can, you're not getting Oscar-winning <laughs> performances out of some of the supporting cast, and you can tell that they shot scenes and they were pretty much like okay we only have one or two chances at this okay shoot it okay let's move on and so there's one or two scenes that sort of fall a little bit flat and an otherwise like pretty superb film and then final good thing for me uh yeah i mean i was i was going to go with the story as well and obviously with kurt russell being awesome those are a couple of my good things but one of my backup ones was the continuity and like i like that they established that he's a badass but at the same time, we know that if he was so much of a badass, there'd be no reason for him to want to do what they're doing. So they actually like construct a well-rounded like rounded narrative around why he doesn't just fly off into the sunset and leave these people to do it and all that sort of shit. But then the other one that I really loved is that he gets shot in the knee with an arrow, and then throughout <laughs> the rest of the film, he's limping. He's like yeah. He's actually taken on pain, and he's continuing it. There's none of this, like, I don't know, Nicolas Cage getting shot in the arm during Con Air, and then the next scene, he's punching out a guy. It's like legit. Well, well, even, well, even more so now. It's like I'm, I'm really over these, these, and they're, they're meant to be humans. I'm not talking about superheroes, but I'm talking about these, a lot of these shows and movies now where they just can't be hurt. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's no, there's no dread. You, you know what? They've, 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 you've got to feel some danger, and, and you do yep. with Snake's character in this. He can be hurt. He gets knocked out. You know, uh, he gets, he gets, you know, beaten up pretty badly in the boxing thing. You nailed it, Sam. With you know, the minute that leg was injured, he stuck to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, he committed to he committed to that. That's so awesome. that was refreshing to see. And that's and actually, there, there, there's a fault. See, because the president in this movie, he's got bruises. When he gets found, he's got big bruises and welts all over his face. And all right, they might have put some makeup on him at the end, but that's that's my one tinny fault. Is he's not injured? <laughs> he's not injured at the end. Yeah, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. There we go. I've reduced it. I've reduced it. There we go. I just thought of that. And okay, yeah, it's not ten thousand. So we're down that a bit. Yeah, yeah. dropping down. Yeah. Um, yeah. As for my score, yeah, eight thousand nine hundred ninety nine. I think Ooh. now that you've pointed that out, yeah, I've dropped down one from the nine thousand mark. <laughs> but it's it's still it's still like a it's a film of my childhood of my teenage years of growing up and being like this is fucking awesome, and then to come back and rewatch it and be like this is still fucking awesome. This is great. So I really love that. And that moves us over to question number two, which is a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our man, Dan Brennick of the Netflix and Swill podcast. Podcast that covers all things Netflix related. Uh, movie reviews, trailers, all that sort of fun stuff. They're awesome. Go check them out. Anywho, what's this question there, Gidget? Okay, it was, who was the true most valuable player of the movie? Well, I think it's definitely Cabby. He was mm. played by the late, great Ernest Borgnine. He's the guy who points Snake in the right direction. He rescues him once and ends up being their only way off the island. Without Cabby, this whole thing goes completely kaput. So, good stuff from him. Uh, hilariously, I've written down Cabby X Machina. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> he, he shows up every time Snake needs him. He fucking wheels him mm. out of there. He recognises Snake from behind. 
That was the best part. Snake walks past him. He doesn't even look at his face. He just sees the mullet and goes, oh, I know that guy. Snake Plissken, eh? Mullet. He saw his ass. Saw his yeah, ass. Saw that, saw, saw that sweet ass in those, those camo pants. Just, yep. Saw the moneymaker yeah. and that was enough for him. Yep. And, and can I say from a female perspective as well, that when he takes his shirt off to fight, in, a, in that to me is the ideal man's body. I don't like these big, muscly, huge Arnie type guys. You know, I, there's a lot of guys that think that's attractive. It's not. I mean, look, I wouldn't complain if Chris Hemsworth jumped into bed with me. <laughs> I wouldn't kick him out of bed. But you have to fight Stacey. Yeah, yeah, Stacey, yeah. Stacey will take you from here. I think I'd have to fight a lot of people, not just women. <laughs> um, but to me, Kurt Russell's body in this, that, that is a lovely man's body. So there we go. That's from us ladies. Well, what did you think about the large bald man who's got a hairy back? Because be careful oh. be careful where you tread on this one, Gidget. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. I know. Look, I love a hairy chest. I love a nice hairy chest, a Hugh Jackman hairy chest. Yes, please, any day of the week. I prefer a hairy chest over a, a shaved one or a waxed one. Uh, but, but shave that hair on the shoulders and back. Get rid of that stuff. You know, yep. that needs to go. You know, and, and those big mutton shops. Yeah, no thanks. Absolutely. Mm. Cool. Mine Quest- was cabby as well. Yeah, yep. I mean, he makes yep. sense. Eh? Oh, well, I think he's everyone's really, isn't he? Yep. And, and all, not only that, he's the happiest person in the movie. You need that because everyone's so damn serious. You need that sort of, you know, Ernest Borgnine just plays it so well and he's just so happy, you know, and as he said, he, he saves Snake from the crazies. He risks his life and he takes him to see Maggie and Brain. Yeah. And, and look, he does take off. At one point, but I don't blame him because he's protecting himself. He's protected himself for that long. Absolutely. We don't know how long he's been on Manhattan Island in the in the prison, but he certainly knows his way around it. He's been able to maintain his cab. Well, it's crazy you know. because he says, I've been a cabbie in New York for 30 years, and it's almost implying that like when they were like, hey, we're turning this island into a prison, he was like, yeah, sweet ass, I'll just stay here. It's fine. He was yeah, just no stuck worries. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that idea, actually. Yeah. yeah. How much does he charge, though? That's the question. Not much now. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yep. Anywho, question okay. number three. What is it there, Paul? What was the most preposterously insane leap of logic in the film? The one for me really is the insurgent lady at the start who <laughs> manages to get into the captain's chair of the plane and then crash the fucking plane into like Manhattan Island. Like, this is the president's plane. Like, it must take some serious spy skills to mm. get onto the plane Deceive the Secret Service, get into the cabin, you know, all that sort of shit. Fucking, or into the cockpit, I should say. Like, that's she pretty the, awesome. She was the stewardess. I read it. I read that she was the stewardess. And she, if you read the backstory to this, yeah. which, again, as you said, it just goes straight into it. Then it needs no reasoning or anything like that. If you want to go deeper into it, you can read about it. She'd, she'd already done the pre work. She'd been working on uh, Air Force One for a long time as a stewardess. All right. So they had no reason to suspect her at all. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, mm. there is an answer. So it's not that preposterously insane. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, though. Yeah, well, I, no, yeah. with what the film shows you, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is, the, <laughs> the, the silly thing is when she's, like, you know, flying the plane and there's the blonde security guard smacking on the back of the door. Oh, he's yeah. not trying very hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's, that's, um, I think it was Gerald Ford. That's Gerald Ford's son. Right. Yeah, but the blo- yeah. yeah, the blonde guy. But he's just sort of going that, uh, uh, no, I can't get in. I did, uh. I did notice that. Oh, yeah. 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 You're like, put some effort into it there, lad. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 9,998. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly going down. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so mine, I've got two. First of all, landing a glider on the top of Twin Towers. Mm. I know he uses that hook thing 
and it nearly goes over the but that that's not a huge space to land a glider. If you've ever watched a glider land, they need like a field. Uh so that's a bit meh. Uh and also Snake having two seconds left at the end of the film before his neck is <laughs> oh, yeah. That is yeah. that is a very typical movie trope. I just find that annoying. Would have been better if it was like, you know, I don't know, twenty nine minutes or something like that. Just you know, be a bit of a rebel, mm. but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a little bit of an eye rolling one as well. So we go down again, slowly <laughs> <laughs> receding. All right, and I look. I there's a few in this film, and, and you guys have acknowledged some good ones. But let's go with the fact that no one checks the tape. Uh, that moves us over to our next question, also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of our mate Dave Baker, who has his own Patreon at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content, uh, video essays, essays on Medium, all that sort of stuff. It's pretty awesome. And what Dave would like to know is which character from this film would have the biggest social media following and on what platform? It's got to be Maggie, doesn't it? It would have, yeah. have to be Maggie. First of all, boobies. She's, oh. she's hot. Uh, and her platform would probably be OnlyFans or Instagram <laughs> or even Chatterbait, uh, depending on what she's willing to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, she's, Adrienne Barbeau has the best breasts. She's right up there with Jamie Lee Curtis in the 80s for really good breasts in the 80s. We will do it. We, Retro will do a top ten of that one day. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, either that or the Peter Pan guy. The Peter Pan guy, and he would be massive on YouTube because oh, he'd be yeah. like one of those those manic millennials just going, you know what I mean? Just that, that screechy, quick edit rubbish that they do on, on YouTube that all the kids are TikTok. addicted to. Yeah, yeah and TikTok Yeah, well. TikTok, yeah. 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 yeah, so they're my two choices, Maggie and Peter Pan guy. Well, I had someone different. I had the Duke for sure. That guy just lives to be photographed shooting a helpless prisoner while he's bound against the wall. <laughs> yeah. And residing over his own version of Thunderdome and riding around in his chandelier-covered limo. Which actually prompts for me another logical leap. Like, if Manhattan was going to made in a prison, why did they leave limos around? Why do people leave anything of value there? What's going on? <laughs> I, I think it was. I, I That's get a good point. the feeling it was very, very last minute, like slam. It was. It was like that. Um, sorry, that, Manhattan. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Manhattan. I think all the re- the wealthy people had got out, but they're just going to take the necessities. You know, it, maybe it was too hard to take cars out, or they were just left in car parks or something like that. But I just I don't know where he got the chandeliers from. Yeah. It's a fucking good question. Especially especially that many chandeliers. The score keeps going down. <laughs> <laughs> you I know what? 8, I, I, went high. I went high. So if during this podcast these these things occur, then I can just bring it down and down and down. So <laughs> we'll see how I end up by the end of the podcast. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So, oh, so what what would you have him on, Paul? What uh, what would the Duke be on? What would be his oh, platform? It's, it's, it's Insta yeah. for sure. He's an he's an Instagram sensation. Mm. I've got to go with Snake Plissken, although the reason why I went with him is because literally fucking everyone knows who he is. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Snake Plissken, oh, you're Boy. fucking Snake Plissken. It's like, how do you fucking people know this? Like, I get he might have been a decorated war hero and shit like that, but like, are they huge? Are they popular? Fuck knows. Uh, it, it'd be Twitter. It'd be Twitter or something like that, though, for him. It'd be some sort of platform where... You know, people just know he's not him. The or... cha- he's not the chattiest person, though. He's not the chat. Maybe you know, LinkedIn. Twi- he's Twitty- done a lot of jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But you know the That's other thing is, point. you notice in the movie, he doesn't like being recognised. Exactly. So actually, I don't think he'd be on any media platform. I think he'd just be, you know, li- living in a cabin, whittling away. Yeah. You know, maybe no Maybe like the criminal's version of LinkedIn, given that he's doing fucking bank jobs and shit like that. Maybe that's his like platform that he's huge on. He'd be, he'd be on the dark web. Yeah, the dark maybe. web. I'm sure there's yeah. social media on the dark web for criminals like yeah. Snake Plissken. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anywho, question number five, was it there, Gidge? Okay, what quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear after sex? Well, I've got two, but I don't want to steal anyone else's, so I'll just go with this one first, and if you don't mention my second one, I'll, I'll add it. Okay. From Hawk, remember, once you're inside, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> that was on my list. That was on my list. I've got like 20, but yeah, that was on my list. Oh, I've got four. What was your second one, Paul? Oh, I don't want to steal, so I'll go. let, let it go around first. Yeah, we'll do a round. Sure. We'll do a round. My one was... Youngest man to be decorated by the president. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Okay, I'm I'm just going to give you my um, four. All right, one, wait till I tell Eddie. Yep. B, come on, get up. Uh, C, I'm too tired, maybe later. And my fave, (laughs) my fave, I thought you were dead. That that was on my list as well, Gidget, was swear to God, Snake, I thought you were dead. (laughs) Uh, I had also God save me and watch over you all. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. Uh, Over to me for uh, this one's a Patreon question. It is. This is courtesy of our amazing friend, Emily Higgins of the Tasteless Podcast, a podcast that takes a film that's universally beloved and then compares it to another film that she loves more than that film. Yeah, it's awesome. Go check her out. There'll be a link down in the show notes. Uh, what's the question there? I'm annoyed. I forgot who that one was from because it's pretty obvious. What movie would you pair with this to make a double feature? This one is way too easy for me. I've just got to go with Upgrade. Uh, we've done an episode on it recently. It's mm. dark and dirty, but at the same time, they've managed to take a very small budget and make an awesome like, futuristic film. Yeah, Upgrade. Nice. That's a good choice. Uh, mine, mine would be, uh, my double feature would be with Paul Ver- Verhoeven's Robocop. Mm, 1987, yeah. of course. We've got a hero, a uh, dystopian society. We've got corruption within the system. Uh, and, and also, I, any chance I get to mention 1987's Robocop, I will do it. <laughs> so I've done it. So there it All is. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Nice choice as well. I went a little left to centre with my choice. I went with Equilibrium, which oh, yeah. not many people have seen, as directed by Kurt Wimmer. Uh, it stars Christian Bale and Sean Bean uh, and Emily Watson. And it basically deals with a dystopian future, which is why, where emotions are outlawed, and this is policed by clerics who make sure everyone takes their drugs to suppress emotions. And it feels like, for most of the characters here, there's a fair degree of emotional suppression happening in this particular world as well. Yeah, I can dig that, and that's a good choice. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good movie. Yep. Moves us over to question number seven. Also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our mate, Julio of the Contrarians Podcast, a podcast which rages against... Hello, Julio. (laughs) Hey, Julio. Uh, Julio. Julio. A uh, podcast where they rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine by arguing why a universally beloved film was actually shit, and then all the opposite, why a shitty film was actually really good, and then they give their real talk at the end about how they actually feel. Um, his question, what is your guys' most controversial opinion about this film? Gidget's already alluded to it earlier in the recording, and that is, this should never have had a sequel, it should have been left well enough alone, but Carpenter capitulated to demands for it, i.e. demands in the form of money, because he clearly loves the stuff. And he made an absolute turd of a film. And if I could remove the image of Kurt Russell surfing a massive wave alongside Peter Fonda, while Steve Buscemi drives on the road next to them, marvelling at their efforts, all with some of the worst CG ever put on the big screen, I wouldn't. Because then I might think that watching this sequel would be a good idea and I'd end up torturing myself for another 100 minutes. Mm. Fuck that piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in there with the Highlander 2 category. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's just unnecessary. And the, and the weird thing is, First of all, this is Kurt Russell's favourite film he was he did, and his favourite Escape from role. L.A. or New York? New York. Okay, New York. Good, so right. I think that that was maybe a little bit of a reason why he came back for Escape for L.A. 
and also he kept all these clothes as well from <laughs> New York, so he could use them again in Escape from L.A. But yeah, that that scene that you mentioned, Paul, that's right up there with that the, the Bond one. Um, Oh yeah, tomorrow never dies. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he's whichever one it is. Yeah. Oh, they can't get the surfing thing right. No, die another day. Yeah, die another, die day. another day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they just can't get that big wave surfing. Which credit to Point Break. Mm. Yeah, Catherine Bigelow. Good point. Point Break. Um, yeah, she directed that, didn't she? Yeah, um, she did. Yeah, great, great surfing scenes in that. You know. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I agree on that one. Oh, you guys are going to love this. I didn't mind the sequel. I thought it was all right. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Where's the soundboard when I need it? <laughs> Awkward. I, no, I'm, I'll be biting my tongue. Okay. No, no, no. Here's the thing. It's bad. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. But at the same time, like it's like we were talking about before, there's bad, bad films and then there's good, bad films. And I'll happily sit down and watch that and just belittle all the shit out of it in a fun, enjoyable <laughs> way. Like, it's not great. Like, it's just like, what the fuck is this? At the same time, I'd yeah, I'd happily watch it. I'd happily watch it again. Fuck it, why not? To be fair, it's not as bad as Highlander too. So there you go. Yeah, nothing is. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a low base to base things on. But yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> oh well, the, you know, and that's the thing that I'm constantly saying on Twitter. You know, people people will put up. You know, I re- I really love this movie, and everyone just goes rah and jumps on them, and it's like, God, you're allowed to like the movies that you like. Yeah. You know, that's why they make so many different types of, well, they used to anyway, so many different types of movies is th- there's something for everybody out there. And if you're just a horror person, good on you. Yeah. If, it's you, only, okay. if, you're a good, if you only like rom-coms, good on you, you know. Yep. yep. Um, number eight, uh, what's the biggest dick move in the movie? Uh, I reckon probably when the president stops Snake's ascent up the wall at the end of the film. And, like, it kind of plays like he's trying to draw the Duke out to shoot him because he's obviously angry at how he's been treated. But it seems pretty clear to me the Duke's coming out to shoot at Snake and everyone else anyway. So why did he need to stop him there? I had, that just didn't play for me at all. Like He was prepared to sacrifice Snake even though he's got him out of there just to get his moment to shoot at the person that had, had a go at him. To be fair, the president's yeah. a dick. Yeah, I mean, that's clear. Yeah, yes. he only cares about himself. I mean, you know, he didn't even give two, two squirts about when they put him in the pod about all the rest of the staff that are on the plane. Yep. No, no, he, he said, just got, God, yeah. God save us all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you mm. Meaning me. God save me. Um, <laughs> but, but Donald Pleasance in an interview said, you know, I, I played, because he had been a POW, a prisoner right. of war, uh, and he, he um, used, utilised that experience to, to play this, but he knew he was playing an absolute dick, and that's how he played it. Mm. 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 So, actually, perfect answer. Dick move. He's a dick. Which, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to lie. That was actually fucking on my short list. It was the one above this one, which was um, chucking a tracker on a mentally impaired guy and then just leaving him to get the shit kicked out of him in the basement of some theatre. <laughs> I was like, first of all, it's a bizarre scene because Kurt Russell like walks up behind him, kicks this dude off the guy that's supposedly the president or who he think you know has got the tracker on him, and then the guy just turns around. And he's like, "Hello," like all happy. So it kind of implies that maybe he likes getting bent over a sink and beating the shit out of him or the shit being out of him, but. It was, yeah, pretty dickish to do that to that dude. Like, you could have just chucked it down a fucking, I don't know, like, chucked it down a hole somewhere or chucked it in the sewers or something. You didn't have to put it on some random dude. That is true. I, no, see, is I, true. I, isn't it weird? I find that the most disturbing scene in the movie. Oh, it's fucking hella disturbing. Yeah. Because it's just that that constant pounding and you think, uh, there, there's part of you that crosses your head, you're thinking, is the person already dead? And this crazy is just, like, pounding away on a dead body. Mm. You know, I mean, I knew it wasn't the president because I'd seen the movie several times before. 
but it's still I didn't I forgot how disturbing that scene is. It just I, I just for me I just ugh. and and the scene just before when when he just walks past and the girl's being raped by the group of guys. Yeah, as well. yes, yeah. Yep. So yep. yeah, it's not a movie for the kiddies either. <laughs> God no, no, no for sure. No, no. Um, my biggest dick move I would say uh, is basically just putting the micro explosives in his neck. I think yeah. it could have been mm-hmm. yeah. a, a better, more diplomatic way to to send him. In and also with doing that, they ran the risk of him not making the time. He blows up, and where are they? Yep, doesn't make well, a lot of sense. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it was only because of his, you know, determination. Uh, and as I said, that was the annoying thing. Two two seconds left when he he finally got them removed at the end of the movie. But if he'd have been any longer down that wall or not, there's so many things, and so they put those things in his neck. Uh, we saw the trials and tribulations he has to go through to to finally get the president and the people he has to involve, and you know if he'd have he'd have fallen behind or whatever, he blows up, and you know they obviously can't send helicopters in and all that because that didn't work. So that's why they used him in the first place. So I just found that a really dick move. Yeah, their uh, their backup plan was pretty shit. Yeah, like, it was like oh, two hours to go. All right, we're going to have to mobilize now. It's like well, surely you could have had some backup groups that infiltrate in as well. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to just and be snake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they don't. You wait for snake to do his thing, but if push comes to shove, then we will storm her because it's better the president gets killed in that effort than it does he just gets murdered and we it's all nuclear war. So yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. Cool. Cool. Moves over right, to question number nine. Yep, moves over to question number nine. Also a Patreon question comes courtesy of our mate, Chris Eney. What's he got there, Paul? What song would you have inserted into this film and where? We usually go as on the nose as possible with this one, and I have. I've gone with the animals. We've got to get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do. <laughs> and just any fucking point once they reach the island, basically. It's, yeah, you could just chuck it in there anywhere. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yep, that works. Mine would be snake when snake's gliding in on the glider. I would have ACDC rocking it with Highway to Hell. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Isn't that that's banned that, from Sam's show? That surely. is banned. That is like uh, we've used that way too many times. Ah, well, bad luck. I like ACDC, <laughs> and, uh, but you I, can break I the rules. So I did. I did have another option, and that's when the Duke. When we first see the Duke, and he's coming in in his Cadillac with all the chandeliers on it, and I wanted to hear pumping out of his car, riding. By Shamiliana, Shamilia. Oh, Shamilia, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Riding yeah. dirty, yeah, I, I like that. And... <laughs> Although you could always play the weird owl one as well, as well. But um... <laughs> oh, white nerdy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had to listen to that straight after, and I actually prefer the weird owl one. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's what I'd have for the Duke. That that should be his his theme music while he's driving around in his caddy. Sweet. Huh. All right. Well, I went with uh, KC and the Sunshine Bands. Shake, 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 <laughs> shake your booty. For when the Duke is taking shots at the President's suitcase while he's tied against the wall. I thought it would be a, a mildly amusing juxtaposition. It would lighten the scenario up, I find. Yep. Yes. Yes. Good call. Oh, that's awesome, Paul. <laughs> shake, shake, shake. Da, 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 da. Shake, shake, shake. And that moves us down to question number 10, which I had to throw in there for these guys because they do top 10. Well, that's all of Paul's show is doing a top 10 list and then Gidget Pretty does much. it once a month as well. So what bizarrely specific top 10 list would you guys have put this film on? Okay, um, my bizarrely specific top 10 list would be top 10 best movie eye patches. <laughs> nice. It's yeah, a short list, yeah. You might say it's a short list. I oh, came actually, up with eight. Yeah. I came up with eight, okay, and I actually wrote them down. Oh. All right. <laughs> Ellie, Ellie Driver, Kill Bill. Yep. Mad-Eye Mooney, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Nick Fury, The Avengers. Emilio Largo, Thunderball. Number two, Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. Rooster Coburn, 
True Grit, and One Eye Willie the Goonies. Well done. <laughs> nice. Well done. Mm. All right. Well, I had top 10 films from a director who has De Palmered. Yeah. <laughs> this is basically named for the once great director, Brian De Palma, because people of De Palma now suck at what they were once great at. And not because they're old and can't lift the same weights they used to or jump as high as they could, but because their talent has deserted them and their efforts now lack class, fun or enjoyment. So instead, it's painful watching them trying to do what they used to do. And John Carpenter has departed massively since about 1995. Yep. I just think as you get older, you just kind of lose your creativity. Mel Brooks did. Mm. You know, after Spaceballs. Uh, I'm sorry. And I'm a massive Mel Brooks fan. I'm a massive Brian De Palma fan. Both of them would, would, along with Frank Oz, but it's that early, it's that early stuff. There's a, there's a window mm. for most yep. people. Yeah. Well, that's why Tarantino's saying yeah. he's going to retire after his next film because he agrees. He says yep. basically only all directors only have basically ten great films in them, so I don't I don't want to be associated with a career decline. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's there, there's just an age where you just got to go. Oh, I'm just going to do some gardening. <laughs> you know, you have some chickens in the backyard, mow the yep. lawn once a Sunday, yeah. and and it's there's a reason people retire. Especially in the creative, I mean, sure, you, you know, Mary Bo, Joe can keep on painting in a room, you know, painting flowers and pots and all that sort of thing. But people forget, people forget what a big job it is to direct. Like it's exhausting. Yes, it is exhausting because whatever the actors are going through and the crew, you are the, you are the captain of the ship. Yeah, uh, and most movies take oh, four, six, eight. Some movies have taken two years. That's that's a lot of your time you just have to watch the making of lord of the rings yeah just sit yeah. down watch the making of lord of the rings or watch the, the making of the abyss to see what the director's got to be on top of everything and that and that is it, it's exhausting yep the um the one for me the bizarrely specific top 10 list i would put this movie on uh like this is really common in horror films but you don't really see it in other films but it's like the top 10 quickest death for characters that have suddenly become unbelievably horny <laughs> and the re- <laughs> And the the girl that Snake meets when he first lands and they go into that room and she's hiding out yep. and they're just chatting, just chatting away. And then she's like, oh, you're Snake Plissken. Oh, you can get me out of here. And she's suddenly gushing. Like she's got a massive white on. She's just like, oh my God, you can get me out of here, Snake. Oh, I love you. I love you. And then he, she's fucking dead. The crazies come dead. up through the floor and kill her. I was like, whoa, poor fucking girl. They don't teach you to get horny. <laughs> well, inter- interesting enough, uh, that at the time was Kurt Russell's wife. Shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, her name is Susan Hubley. They were actually husband and wife while they were filming that scene. But yes, her demise was very, very quick. Very quick. Don't get horny in these sort of movies. <laughs> in any film. Absolutely. Mm. Except a rom-com. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. All right, so it's over to me for my personal question, Sam. That is correct. On to you, Paul. All right, so I think we can all agree Snake Plissken is a badass name. If you could yeah. choose and adopt your own badass name that has to feature an animal in it, what would it be? The only thing that fucks up snakes is mongoose, so I'm going to go with mongoose Hurley. <laughs> That's good. And then I, I know. You stole. You stole. I had mongoose Lasher. <laughs> well, there you go. Even better. But the thing is, like, I literally sound like a throwaway henchman that dies at the start of an old Batman or Dick Tracy film. It's like, oh, mongoose Hurley. And then I come out and he's like, yeah, you, he's not long for this fucking film. You know? Look, I think you last longer than Condiment Man, so it's okay. <laughs> hey, Condiment Man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> You want some ketchup on that? <laughs> right. uh, yeah, so, so I, yeah, I went down the mongoose. So I was thinking, what what really fucks up snakes? But then again, my initial name was Eagle Lasher. Because yeah. e- eagles also, big eagles also can eat and kill snakes. There you go. So I'll, there you go. I'll go with something different, you know, 
or honey badger. Honey badgers, those things can really they'll, they'll take on lions. Yeah, yeah. Honey, honey, badgers, honey badger was on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number eleven. If Escape from New York, sorry, number twelve. If Escape from New York is a product of a steamy one night encounter between two other films, what would those films be, and why did you choose them? I'm going to go with The Warriors for its grimy punk mm-hmm. aesthetic and race across New York. And I'm going to mix that with Taking of Pelham 123 for its like hostage situation slash New York grindhouse themes as well. They're two films that I enjoy that I've watched in the last probably six months. I certainly watched Pelham 123 in like the last month and I'll watch The Warriors typically once or twice a year. They're just, they're just awesome films. And I could just imagine the two of them banging and producing this. It just makes yes. too much sense. You obviously talk about the original one, Pelham 123 as well. We don't, we don't talk about the fucking Re- Okay, good. Just make it sure. <laughs> Denzel trying his best and John Travolta being John Travolta. We don't talk about that. <laughs> what about you, Gidget? No. What do you got? Okay, so uh, it's one of my favourite dystopian films of all time, and it is a dystopian film. Mad Max 2, mm-hmm. Road Warrior, uh, with The Purge 2, Election Year. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Uh, I, I only came up with that answer last night, re-watching Escape from New York. And I'm see- I was trying to think, what, what is it reminding? And that was actually the first thing it reminded me of was not the first Purge movie, the second Purge movie. Yep. Um, uh, people running around the city in danger. You can never trust anybody. Uh, everyone just wants to kill you. Um, but, uh, yep, yeah, that so, works. And, and Mad Max 2, Road Warrior, which is an awesome, perfect movie. Yeah, nice. that makes sense. That works, oh. yeah. And my final question, which I did answer this one. In the film, if you're sent to Manhattan Island, it's a one-way trip. What seemingly little behaviour should automatically earn the perp the Manhattan Island maximum security prison sentence because it annoys or angers you so much? Okay, so one that really gives me the shits is people using their phones while they're driving. Fuck, it drives me insane. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, well, like most people don't like that. So I'm going to go with people that use it in like walkways. You know, people that are wandering around using their phone and start bumping into the middle of fucking people. Like, there's nothing fucking more annoying than some dude just walking out in front of you, not paying any attention to what he's doing. Especially when you're, like, furiously trying to wrangle a two-year-old to make sure she's going in the right place that you needed to be going. It's it's just people on their phones for just no reason whatsoever and annoying the fuck out of other people. And and loud talkers on on their phones as well. People that don't don't put it on silent or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think we all remember a time where we didn't really have mobile phones. Yeah, so yeah. Those, there were those big clunky brick things and all that, but only like really wealthy people had them. And and it's like, do you really need to be talking or looking at something all the time? Just leave your phone at home sometimes. Just leave it at home. Go out if you can, <laughs> and 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 just enjoy being phone free. I can't count the like number of times when I was living over in London, like people just having like massively private conversations on public transport. So like a girl like on the phone to her friend, she's like, oh yeah, I've told him I'm pregnant even though I've got my period today. I'm not going to tell him for a week. And I'm like, what the fuck are you, what? (laughs) What It's it's like, you know what it is? There's so many people that are not Mm self-aware or they don't care. Or yeah. they don't care. Yeah, they don't either. care. See the one of those. Yeah, if you try that shit in New Zealand, you get kicked out, man. We were so private and so <laughs> fucking like scared of being shamed in public that we, you just don't have that conversation. Uh, if I'm walking down the street and Stacey rings, I don't answer. Fuck that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Was that was that your answer? No. Right. Under <laughs> <laughs> Gidget. Rolls up sleeves. Okay. Uh, first of all, shopping old group stationary chatters. Yes. I think yeah. we all know who they are. Oh, Margaret. G'day, Beryl. How you doing? And they all Beryl. Got choppy, <laughs> and they stop and they've got the kids screaming and you can't get by and you've actually, you've either got to go, oi, can you get out of the way, which they usually don't, or you've got to backtrack and go down another aisle to get to the end of that aisle. 
And I know that's a small thing, but that's what's, that was the question. What are the small things? Boring people with no sense of humour. <laughs> straight, straight away they get sent to, to man. I'm, especially at this time you need a sense of humour. Uh, hippies, all hippies. They can all go. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was about it. Okay. Yeah. So we've just lost half the population. I'm not sure they're all going to fit on Manhattan Island in Gidget's world. <laughs> we'll, we'll squeeze them on. We'll squeeze them on. Okay. Yeah. I went anyway. back to the road for my answer. Uh, so fucktards driving the right-hand lane. Uh, this is obviously for us who drive on the, on the left-hand side of the road. Yep. Uh, the fast lane, uh, not giving way to the traffic behind them because they are, they think they're the police. There's a big, long stretch of road ahead of them and they're just going parallel with the car in the left lane or the middle lane next to them and not giving way. Drives me insane. Straight to Manhattan Island for you, you inconsiderate piece of shit. Yep. Or when a fucking driver is going to make a right-hand turn and does so from the middle of the street, not moving over to make yes. room to turn left. Yes. Like, just because what is, that? what is that? Why do they need to take that huge? Oh. Either they can't drive, yep. or you know, you, the amazing thing with a steering wheel, you can just turn it yep. and you turn down that road. You don't. You're not a truck. You don't need to go out into that <laughs> huge curve into like the third lane yep. to turn into a street. It makes no sense to me. It's just that lack of consideration for anybody else. Enjoy maximum security, you wanker. <laughs> <laughs> You you have Any reminded island. me of an, you have reminded me of another one, Paul, which is in New Zealand. Like we have very windy roads and not much in the way of highways. So it's people driving eighty k an hour on the like open road sort of thing. But then when you get to a passing lane, they suddenly speed up to one hundred and ten because one hundred is our speed limit. Mm. And so they'll, they'll do that. They'll drive about eighty with massive yep. backup, and then they get to one hundred ten. They just race everyone that tries to pass them. It's like fuck you. Yep, hundred yeah. percent agree with that. I'm, yep. And I'm yeah. driving down south next week, so I'll get to experience a bit of that because it always happens. Yeah. Okay, this is mine. Cool. Yeah, that moves us over to Gidget for her questions. What do you got there, Gidge? Okay, so at the end, uh, the president ends up playing Bandstand Boogie uh, on the tape as Snake walks away, tearing up the original cassette, looking very smug. Well, actually, there's no expression at all on him. But anyway, <laughs> what song would you pick instead of Bandstand Boogie for the president to accidentally play? I went with a pre-1981 song, which kind of made sense to me logically, but given the film set in 1997, that was probably pretty dumb. But anyway, I like my choice, and I'm sticking with KC and the Sunshine Band. This time, it's That's the Way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like, I like it. it. <laughs> nice. Uh, similar to you, Paul, I went to 1980, and I was like, what is the most cheesiest like pop song from 1980 to play? And it's the Pina Colada song. If you like Pina Coladas, <laughs> the yep. best part about this is not co- it isn't actually the Pina Colada song. It's called Escape, brackets, right. Pina Colada song. Yeah, the song's named Escape. So when I saw Escape, I was like, oh, my fucking God. This is perfect <laughs> for this film. Isn't, isn't that weird? Because, nice. yeah, that that's like that, pre- that previous song that I mentioned, you know, I see you rolling. Yeah. Th- th- that's, it. that's what I thought the song was called, rolling. So then, then I look, when I looked it up, it was like riding. Yeah, riding dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, weird. Um, okay, good choices. I would actually, uh, I don't know what year this was, but my pick would have been asshole or asshole from Dennis Leary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that would have been my pick. All right, number two. Uh, if you could have, have any furniture decorating your Cadillac, what would you pick? I'll go to Sam. Yeah, I mean, the chandeliers is hard not to choose, <laughs> choose but uh, for me, I'd like a jacuzzi in the boot because I love jacuzzis <laughs> and fuck it, why not? And I realise... Some people are going, but Sam, you could only fit like one person in that jacuzzi. 
wouldn't you want to have like a wider space for other girls or something? And I was like, no, I wouldn't want any girls get, that would like to get into the jacuzzi in the back <laughs> of a car getting in that jacuzzi. If they, if they, they made that choice of like, hey, I'd love to get in that jacuzzi, they're not the type of girl for me. So yeah, just a jacuzzi, <laughs> single person. I could sit there just fucking, you know, chilling out, having a good time, being driven around. Nice. So, Plus you've got to keep the bitches in the caddy. Sure. Bitches got to be driving the caddy while you're in the, in the sauna. Or spa. Yeah. Uh, uh, and also, we now understand that Stacey is not a jacuzzi girl. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I went with, well, I'd have a couch, a really comfy recliner couch on the roof, and a 75-inch TV screen coming out of the bonnet, just high enough that you can see under it the driver can still drive, so I can get my outdoor summer theatre rolling. Might need some wireless headphones, though. And, yeah. and, and, and some bulletproof, um, like the Pope. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, some shields around you. Know, you, don't want to be, you don't want to be shot while you're sitting up there oh, on the caddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, if I could have any, I wasn't imagining I was in Manhattan Island, but if, if I had to do that, sure, why not? Let's take it that way. <laughs> Just rolling around Perth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nice. Okay, I just went with wind chimes because, first of all, either they would scare everyone off because those things can drive you insane (laughs) or it would send everyone to sleep. Makes sense. Yep. Okay, uh, so number three, what current actress would you have played Maggie if there was a (gasps) remake? Well, perish the thought. But I went with, uh, I reckon Olivia Wilde would be about the right age and look. She's actually two years older than Barbo was at the time of filming, so which I looked up. Um, but you'd probably have to upgrade what she's wearing as well. I'm not sure the plunging, cleavage revealing dress and the heels would roll in this in this day and age. But uh, I think uh, Olivia Wilde has the acting chops and the the talent, shall we say, in terms of her beauty. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sam. Yeah. See, this was the point where I was going to say something nice about Australians, even though I could have said something nice about Lee Winnell and the movie Upgrade. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Samara Weaving. I feel like she's a bit of a chameleon who mm. pops up in Grindhouse films and she has the acting chops to carry off a badass, but at the same time still like deadly sexy type woman. Like, yeah, yep. she's, she's definitely a femme fatale. I love Samara she, Weaving. She's the one that looks like Margot Robbie, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Margot yeah, Robbie yeah. 2.0, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's also got a, got a uh, connection with Hugo Weaving. I think it's his niece. Yeah, his niece. Yep, ah. that's the one. Uh, okay, I did answer my own question, so my pick would have been Emily Blunt, because if you saw her in Charlie Wilson's War, oh my God, she would be able to do the booby thing. She would be able to do that. <laughs> Most know? important criteria. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, come on. You watch, you watch Escape from New York. As I said, Adrian Barbeau, they're spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she knows it, and she shows them off, just like she did in Cannonball Run. Uh, they are fantastic Tartars, and... I think Emily Blunt could certainly, and great actress, and very good at doing accents. She could easily take on the American, New York-type accent very easily. I love how there's been a ton of titty talk on this podcast and it's all been Gidget. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing well, Paul. We're doing well. I just imagine respectful if, Marchie was, if Marchie was here for this episode, oh, we would never have finished it. I'd have a lot to delete, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it did wonderful things. And that moves me over to my questions. First of which is, oh no, you guys have been arrested and sent to Manhattan. Maybe for one of the offences that Paul mentioned before, <laughs> or one of the ones that we came up with. What pastime that you see in this film would you guys take up? And I've got a couple listed here in case you can't remember them, but uh, yeah, what, what's some of the stuff that you guys see these people doing and think, yeah, that'd be a bit of me. Uh, okay. Um, I, I would personally, if I was trapped on that island, I would be one of the stage performers on stage. Uh, performing Everyone is Coming to New York. That's my gig. That's what I'd be doing. You get to mm-hmm. dress up. You get to entertain people. 
uh, and the song is particularly amusing. I did read out the lyrics, but I won't I won't go through it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that would that would that would be my hobby. I would be the stage, or I or I'd be the director of it. I'd be I'd be like, come on, just put some dance moves on. It was pretty entertaining actually, and certainly Cabby was enjoying it. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. It's true. It's true. He was the only smiling person in the audience. <laughs> so, All right. Yep. Well, I would set my sights on being the only person who could make fuel because that made brain indispensable and I reckon that's the only way I would survive more than three hours in a place like that. <laughs> this, this was the whole point of this question, was trying to make you guys get creative. I think being in the theatre is probably the least offensive job. I mean... No one really wants to be hanging out in the sewers and throwing rocks at cars and fucking beating the hell out of some guy in the bottom of a theatre. There's not very much fun things to do in this one. Not very much fun things to do. No. But I, but I think they find it fun. Oh, yeah. Well, otherwise, otherwise, they'd just stop doing that and maybe join the theatre group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, question number two. How did Snake go from a decorated military man to robbing a bank? I feel like Gidget already has an answer for this from the trivia behind the film, but uh, what do you guys reckon? What do you reckon... Force Snake into a life of crime. Well, all right, I'll go before Gidget has the actual answer. I just think he kind of pissed off the wrong commanding officer of the military, probably beat the shit out of him and three of his lackeys, resulting in being dishonorably discharged. And from there, he became a mercenary and was recruited to rob the bank of some wealthy merchant who had stolen the funds from superannuation accounts owned by hardworking everyday people. <laughs> well, Snake got the money and he got it back to the client who then double-crossed him, tipping the police off to cover off her crime. Boom, prison awakes. Wow. Great, great. That's outstanding. Thank you. Uh, my answer is, who fucking knows? <laughs> we thought you would. This question's in here. No, who, who fucking... Look, uh, I guess he needed money for, you know, eye patches and resting bitch faces. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I've, it, it, it actually doesn't go into depth as to his reasoning uh, for doing that. You know, going from an awarded military guy, special forces, to, to knocking over a bank. So... Yeah. My my answer was that prosthetic eyes are incredibly expensive <laughs> in the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he needed nice. to rob a bank in order to buy a glass eye, basically. <laughs> and my final question is that is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell did Escape from New York and then did The Thing back to back. And I want to know from you guys, what is your favorite director actor back to back pair of films? Um, and if it's this, what's, I mean, if it is like Escape from New York and The Thing, what's second? And to make it easier for you, because actors typically pop up in quite a few films between directors' efforts, I've just said basically directors' back-to-back films. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, mine was would be Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Yeah. And it would be Goodfellas, 1990, and Cape Fear, 1991. Ooh. Yeah. I know nice. a lot of people might have thought, go further back because they've worked a lot together. But I, I really stuck to the back-to-back. He literally made Goodfellas yep. and then went on to make Cape Fear. Uh, and my other option, because I'm a massive Ridley Scott fan, mm. Ridley Scott's not known, especially early on, uh, for having the same actors in each movie. He usually goes for quite different actors in, in each film. But he did take quite a liking to Russell Crowe when he made Gladiator. True. Like, yeah. like Russell Crowe a lot. So I picked uh, uh, Ridley Scott with Russell Crowe a good year. And American Gangster. Hmm. And then I could even do a four Body of Lies and Robin Hood. Wow. Four times. Wow. Jeez. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he really likes Russell Crowe. <laughs> All right. Well, I, mine was very, very easy. Very simple. Came straight to mind. So uh, James Cameron and Michael Bean for The Terminator and Aliens. Boom. 
Yeah. <laughs> what, nice. What cracks me up, Paul, is I've written down Bill Paxton for The Terminator and Aliens. And Aliens, yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd give me that because Bill Paxton's in such a small amount but of he The Terminator. Is. So. He is. Yeah, I, no I, I can't believe I flaked on Michael Bean. I completely forgot about him. That's weird. <laughs> nice. I love Michael Bean. Awesome. Yeah, other options. I mean, Scorsese and De Niro, yeah, absolutely. But like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, fuck, that was two of my favorite films of my youth. They were awesome. I even loved yeah. King of Comedy, yep. which came out after that as well. I mean, I know it's mm. quite divisive, but I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. See, I haven't I seen you it. Might have gone, I thought you might have gone with that, Sam. So that's why I thought, oh, I better. And, and, and to me, Goodfellas is one of the greatest gangster movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Up there with 100%. Godfather 2 and Casino. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, yeah. and Cape Fear, I still find. De Niro's Max Cady in Cape Fear, not including horror movies, but realistic characters, which scare me more. Yeah. I get mm. more, because I don't believe in ghosts and all that sort of stuff. So for a real life character, a bit like uh, Anton Shergo in No Country for Old Men, th- these are frightening people. There's no throwing yourself on the mercy of them or anything like that. So uh, to me, it's one of De Niro's greatest roles, along with, you know, Raging, Raging Bull, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I've good fellas, Kate Fee. Cool. Yeah. And that takes us down to our last question, which, as I mentioned, is a listener question. Uh, so, what I want to know from you guys before we get into our listener answers is what dystopian or even post-apocalyptic film universe would be the most terrifying to live in, or the most like would be the absolute worst to live in, basically. All right. Well, I'll go. Probably Snowpiercer from director Boon Jong-ho. It's not just the fact that everything is freezing outside, stepping outside for anything more than a second or four is death. It's that you're trapped on a train, constantly yeah. worrying something is going to go wrong and you're dead. And if you're not in first class, you're also being oppressed, work within an inch of your life and possibly past it, only to become gruel to be eaten. So it's not going to end well for anyone in this world. You're just staving off the inevitable, which... Now that I think about it, pretty much is what life is all about. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I agree, though. Yeah, that that would be horrific. See, I'm a human heater, so I wouldn't mind the cold. So that thing's not cool <laughs> to me. But I, I don't mind the cold. But I mean, they're not cold inside the train. But yeah. Certainly, you know, by the end of it, after the crash, and I think two two of them escape, but they certainly get eaten by the polar bear. So no one lives in that. It's yep. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, mine, uh, I was throwing up between two, certainly uh, the film 1984. It's mm-hmm. a, to, you know, totalitarian society. Uh, it's depressing. It's gloomy. You're completely controlled. We all know how that feels. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just depressing. And the other one, Planet of the Apes, because basically <laughs> you've been run by primates and you're, you're their captive. And we all know that apes don't smell very nice mm. either. So, uh, but they're the bosses. The apes are the bosses. And, yeah, so that pretty much sums up what we're living with today as well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. The, the one for me, originally I was going to go The Matrix, like once you get out of the other side, once you're unplugged mm-hmm. from The I Matrix. that one. Yeah, and I know you and um, Wayne have had massive discussions about it. But then I was thinking to myself, well, I'd probably be cool with getting plugged back in. Like, I'd probably be like, oh, fuck it, I'd rather live my life in, you know, in bliss than, like, than reality of what's actually happening. It's sometimes easier. Um, but then uh, for those that have been listening to the podcast, I broke my toe recently. So the one for me that immediately came to me was the running man. Because fuck that, I ain't running anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck I don't know, what, what if you're the audience, though? It would oh. be a pretty entertaining show. I mean, Gidget, you love your reality TV. We see your comments on Twitter. You love reality TV. I feel yeah, like we're yeah. 20 years away from that show actually becoming reality. And, and oh, like, close. I, I feel like we're getting there. But I feel like if yeah. they chucked me into The Running Man right now, 
they'd shoot me out down the bottom and I'd just stand there and just like, no, oh, I'll just fucking wait here for him. Who cares? You know, like- well, well I, I would think as well that a lot of, like, say, for instance, you take prisoners that are serving a life sentence. If you came to them and said, look, do you want to be in this show? Right, you know, it's pretty oh. dangerous. <laughs> this is getting into weird so, territory. It's a, it's a lot more interesting than sitting in a jail cell all day. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> right, let's make sure Gidget never becomes head of programming at any show, at any station. <laughs> let's move on. Let's see what the listeners said. Uh, we'll start off with our mates on Patreon. Chris Uni basically said, last man on earth slash I am legend. Fuck that shit. Mm. To try to enjoy maybe a few more months after you don't have anyone and then just end it. That's correct. I agree with that, Chris. Yep. Our mate Nurtrovert said, Snowpiercer. There you go. Another one that agrees with you, uh, Paul. Nice. Said stuck on a train for all of eternity, but wait, there's more. It's an eternal train ride full of poverty and class warfare. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Over to Twitter, and we had Brett and Tony with Ash and Abe basically said Snowpiercer because fuck trains. Fair enough. <laughs> Don't know what trains have done to this person, but uh, clearly it's affected them. Uh, our good mate Gillian said she's got a few. Reign of Terror. Uh, yep. <laughs> dragons fucking shit up. Yeah, fuck that. The girl of all the gifts, pod fungus turns people into feral zombies and mm-hmm. children eat their way out of their mother's womb. Yeah, that sounds pretty rough. Mm. Daybreakers, vampire society running out of blood. Fair enough. I mate Brad from the Cinema Guys also said I Am Legends, first one that comes to mind. Tara Maholic said this one and she basically showed the dystopian society at the end of Justice League, the Snyder Cut, you know, where Joker <laughs> and Batman <laughs> team up. I feel like that's the winner, Tara. That's a fucking great choice. Uh, our mate Emily Higgins, who we mentioned before, said, I would die horribly in all of them, but my true fear is that Twilight Zone episode, this is the original Twilight Zone from the 50s, where the guy who loves reading books and everyone else in the world disappears and it's just him and his books and then his glasses break. Imagine the boredom. So for those that haven't seen it, it's like literally him yeah, in a okay. library or a bookstore or something like that and there's like a nuclear holocaust and then he's the only guy left and he walks out and he's like, finally I have time to read my books and he drops his glasses on the ground they smash. It <laughs> 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 just ends on him sitting there going, <laughs> yeah. 28 Dan's later said Waterworld. Yep, fuck that. Fuck living in a universe mm-hmm. with Kevin Costner. Uh, <laughs> from Verbal Diorama <laughs> said worst. Well, considering it's my ex- next episode plug, thanks M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-M-
Thanks so no, much, welcome. Sam. It was awesome. Awesome discussion there. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. Still really like the film, just not as much as the two of you. So it's always a pleasure, though, to, sit, to share the mic with you two awesome folk. Oh, thanks, Paul. I feel like we're way more generous with our scores than you usually anyway, so... Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we, we all even out. There you go. Yeah, what's your score got down to now, Gidget? What are you sitting at? Oh, it's like two. <laughs> <laughs> two. <laughs> no, uh, what was I, 10,000? So, no, I can't do numbers. It's not nine thousand two hundred and seventy-three. Oh, sweet! Still, still incredibly uh, positive. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, before we sign off, why don't uh, you go first, then Paul? Why don't you guys tell everyone about your awesome shows if they're not already listening to them? Okay, so I am co-host of the Retro Cinema Podcast. You can just type that entire name into Google. We're on every listening platform. Uh, we do an hour-long podcast about eighties movies we loved back then and still love now. Uh, my co-host is Angry Man. I sometimes have other guests. Sometimes he has other guests. And as Sam mentioned, at the end of each month, we do a top 10. But we've just recently released Cobra, Sylvester Stallone movie. Interestingly enough, he was an absolute total asshole while filming that movie. And it's mm. funny you mentioned Waterworld because Kevin Costner was supposedly the same during filming Waterworld. Uh, so, you know, I think that just ego gets carried away and they have some... Eddie Murphy supposedly is renowned for it. And we just recently released uh, the week before Hellraiser, which is doing incredibly well. So thanks, everybody, for that. And our top 10 for the end of this month is top 10 animals in 80s movies. So send your three options in. Three. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to shout out, three. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and my show, the Countdown Movie Interior Reviews, with my best mate Wayne, we do a countdown each week from 10 to 1, review a movie in the other episodes, and we basically throw shade at each other and swear a lot and press soundboard buttons to anger one another. So it's uh, <laughs> not a very serious show, but we have a lot of fun with it. And it's great to have guests on, which we'll have to have both of you back sometime very soon. Oh, absolutely. Always keen. Love to. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone again for listening. Thank you to our Patreons for supporting the show and making it what it is. Our upcoming episodes, we've recorded an episode on Space Jam. I <laughs> don't want to give anything away, but it might be the first time you've heard a triple shit sandwich dropped on the podcast. So there Ooh. you go. There's a little bit of foreshadowing for that episode. If, mm. if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter and Movie Reviews In. Alternatively, you can just find us on Movie Reviews and 20Qs. Search us out on any of the social media platforms and you'll be able to find us. Uh, yeah, there'll be links down to these guys' shows in the show notes and where you guys can find them and all that sort of fun stuff. But... Uh, so from that, that's thanks from me. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you clap at me, I'm out. If I give you the no, clap, you're out. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs>